In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord of all power and might, author and giver of all good things, graft into our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and of your great mercy keep us in the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Faithful God, you promised to preserve your people and save your inheritance, using unlikely and unexpected vessels in extending the genealogy that would bring about the birth of your blessed Son. Give us the loyalty of Ruth and her trust in the one true God, that we too might honor you through our submission and respect and be counted among your chosen people. By the grace of Jesus our Lord, the Holy Spirit, who reign together with you now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the sixth Sunday after Trinity is from the book of the Exodus, the 20th chapter. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The epistle is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? 
Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. Jesus said, I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. This is the Gospel of the Lord. We confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. 
and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. All mankind fell in Adam's fall. One common sin infects us all. From one to all the curse descends, and over all God's wrath impends. Through all our powers corruption creeps and us in dreadful bondage keeps. In guilt we draw our infant breath and reap its fruits of woe and death. From hearts depraved to evil prone flow thoughts and deeds of sin alone. God's image lost the darkened soul, seeks not nor finds its heavenly goal. But Christ, the second Adam, came to bear our sin and woe and shame, to be our life, our light, our way, our only hope, our only stay. As by one man all mankind fell, and born in sin was doomed to hell, so by one man who took our place, we all were justified by grace. We thank you, Christ, new life is ours, new light, new hope, new strength, new powers, this grace our every way attend until we reach our journey's end. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For I say to you, 
that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Is Jesus saying that the Pharisees are very righteous and therefore to be emulated? Or is he saying that they are not righteous enough and therefore not to be emulated? In a sense, he says both. And yet you must not jump so quickly to study what he says, for you will never understand that unless you first understand why he says it and where he says it. These few brief verses are taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Where does Jesus go to preach? Upon a mountain. Do not think for one minute that he only does this so that the crowd may better hear him. Maybe they do hear him better up there, but that is not why he ascends. Jesus ascends the mountain to proclaim the word of God to the people in a picture of the law's fulfillment. It is upon the mountain that the law of God is first given to the people. This law is the Ten Commandments, given to Moses by God's hand upon Mount Sinai's lofty heights, veiled in a misty cloud of glory. The tablets received upon that mount are the fullness of God's law concerning his relationship with you and your relationship with one another. It is these words that govern the life of any and all who wish to enter into the kingdom of God, that is to say, those who wish to live. They are the particulars to the general summary that Jesus gives, love God and love your neighbor. If you love God by devoting your heart to him alone, using his name for good, and receiving his holiness on the day that he has made holy, you draw closer to him. If you love your neighbor at least as much as yourself, but truly greater than yourself, seeing him as God sees him and treating him as God treats him and hoping in your heart that God would deal with him in the same joyous way that God deals with you, then you love perfectly. If you draw close to God and love with perfect love, you thrive, you live, you do not die. The mountain is the place of the law, which means it is the place of life. The judgment waters of wrath abate the ark that foreshadows the Holy Church sits atop the mountain, alive and saved. God rescues Israel from the death of bondage in Egypt and brings them to the mountain to live in his law. Jesus climbs the mountain to preach of the law to Israel in the Sermon on the Mount. 
The law of God is God. To abide in it is to live in God, while to trespass it is to die apart from God. The mountain Jesus preaches from today is now a new Sinai encounter in the great Sermon on the Mount and a new reception of a law not written upon tablets but written upon the flesh of man in the incarnate Word, the very same Word put upon the hearts and minds of the fathers of old, now standing with a body and a mouth. The Pharisees and the scribes know the letter of the law. Indeed, there is no doubt that they are the experts. Well-learned, studious. Perhaps they are arrogant in their knowledge, but they are still wise in spite of that. It is true that many from that band marinate in corruption, using their status to gain wealth and power. Nevertheless, if you wish to be righteous according to the law of Sinai, the Pharisees and the scribes are your teachers, and you should listen. When Jesus speaks of these men, he refers to the best of them, the upright and the noble, who strive to keep the old covenant in its fullness. Therefore, Jesus says your righteousness must exceed theirs if you wish to enter the kingdom of the heavens. According to the letter, they are perfect. To enter God's kingdom, you must be perfect as the Pharisees are perfect. Yet the scribes and Pharisees lack what makes the law so important, its spirit or rather its person. For the law is more than letters. Here it stands, here he stands upon the mount, telling, no, showing that very thing. As righteous as the Pharisees are, they look at the law in a narrow way. They are righteous by outward acts because the law demands those acts. There are Pharisees and scribes now, of course. They never died away. Today they are the religious leaders who talk about being a Christian and who look like good Christians until it comes out, for one reason or another, that they are not. They are the catechism beaters who pride themselves on memorizing the six chief parts and explanations, but who cannot tell you to what end they have done this. They are the ones who come to church on Sunday because their father and mother ingrained in them, you must do this, but for no other purpose than that. They are those who do the bare minimum, who give the bare minimum, who say the bare minimum, and who thus abide strictly by the letter of the law, the black and white, no less, but also no more. 
But is the narrow reading of the law fit for the narrow way? It is true. Or is it? That divine righteousness must do the bare minimum. Is it perfect righteousness to do the most simple, literal thing and to go no further than that? And what of the heart? Is it true divine righteousness to be pure on the outside, but to house the reek of death within the whitewashed tomb of a heart and soul and body and mind? Jesus says no. He says that your righteousness must increase beyond that of the bare minimum, beyond that of the scribes and Pharisees. The law given from the Mount today is not a new law. It is the fulfillment of the old. It is the fullness of the old. It is God's view of the Sinai law, not that of the scribes and Pharisees. And God's view is not narrow, but wide. A narrow view of the law excuses the heart and the spirit because it looks at neither the heart nor the spirit of the law. But the wide view of the law that Jesus hands down does not excuse the spirit or the heart, even if the outward deed looks good. He is not satisfied with the bare minimum because he is a God of excess. Therefore, he does not want you only to be perfectly outwardly, as the Pharisees are perfect. He also says to conclude his law-giving on the mount, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be perfect on the outside, but also on the inside to the fullest degree. Jesus does not come to destroy the law, but to reaffirm it and to fulfill it. He does not save you from the law, though he does save you from its condemnation. Rather, he saves you from your interpretation of the law, a subjective interpretation whose only function is to justify yourself, like the Pharisees, according to the letter. But subjectivity brings death. So Jesus gives the law today in fullness, that you might learn to strive toward keeping it according to letter and spirit within your heart as in your outward actions and observances. Only in the fullness of the law is the gospel a relevant comfort, because your strivings are nothing, because your works are dung, because your heart is hard. So you pray, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is what the collect for today means when we pray, Lord of all power and might, author and giver of all good things, graft into our hearts the love of your name. Christ is the law, and the freedom to live in the law perfectly by perfect grace. He makes you holy 
not you. He gives strength to live the law, not you. His righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. Yours never will without him. Your heart cannot live without murdering your brother or committing adultery with your neighbor or hating him whom you are called instead to love. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. Therefore, living in the law is praying for a new heart, Jesus' heart, to live and beat and work within you, to pump Jesus' blood through you who are Jesus' body, so that you may live Jesus' life, which is the life of true righteousness in the freedom, the magnificent freedom of the wide law. He is still speaking. The law is still being given, for it lives. He is still working. Come to the altar mount and receive him here, that you may be made more righteous than the narrow external righteousness of man and live in the gospel of the wide law on the narrow way. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God and our Lord Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the Spirit of God to remain with his Church, to defend and protect her from adversity, to preserve her from heresy and schism, and to be the breath of divine bellows that stokes the fire of faith and pure confession, let us pray to the Lord. For the people of Christendom, that residing within the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, they would inhabit a city of God set apart from the world, for steadfastness and boldness in word and deed, for faithful hearts of martyrs, and for all who bear the holy orders of the ministry, let us pray to the Lord. In thanksgiving for regeneration and rebirth in the Spirit, for an increase of piety, love, and devotion among those reborn, and for faithful lives that live upon the way, seeking to give all in service of the gospel, let us pray to the Lord. For this country and all within her who serve to govern and to rule, for a true understanding of freedom as unrestricted living and to growth in sanctification, for recognition of true liberty from sin and the power of death, and for repentance and mercy to these United States, let us pray to the Lord. For deliverance from every sin, error, evil, discord, and strife. For an end to violence, war, bloodshed, sedition, and rebellion. For the work of God to chasten and to heal. For the conversion of the pagans and the return of the apostate for the destruction of the proud and the upright, and blessing to the meek, and for eyes to see and hearts to receive the love of God 
Let us pray to the Lord. For all enemies and persecutors of the faith, for mercy to the sinful, for provision to the innocent, the widow, the orphan, the homeless, the abused, and the needy, and for the comforter to heal the downtrodden, raise up the brokenhearted, and dispel the poisons of resentment, hatred, and scorn among the people of God, bringing in their place unity in love. Let us pray to the Lord. For the healing touch of Christ as the Spirit so delivers, for the preservation of the body against all trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity. For our brethren David, Shirley, Shannon, Tanya, Gail, Norma, and Lynn, for comfort to those who mourn, and in thanksgiving for all new life and for bodily preservation in the new hope of Christ's return, let us pray to the Lord. Almighty Father, everlasting God and Lord, we sing with tongues of angels that you are holy. Though we cannot now comprehend you, grant us to know you. Though we cannot now see you, grant us to see your work. Though we cannot now gaze into the depths of your mind and will, grant us to gaze into the depths of your love. For you have given us your only begotten Son and his Holy Spirit, that through them we would be united to you even as we are pilgrims in this life. Joined to Christ, let us be branches of one vine, united in the spirit of peace, love, joy, and compassion, and bearing these fruits as a living body, held together by the bonds of Christ's own flesh and blood. Just as this bread is gathered together from countless scattered grains and the wine from many grapes, so may your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom by this same Jesus Christ our Lord, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 